Hello and welcome to the Soma Podcast. My name is Zach. And I'm Rob. <laughs> Hi, Rob. How you doing, Zach? And we are just two guys who are interested in all things diversity of theology and culture. But what does that mean? Zach, that means that you and I, we are interested in exploring the various diversities within theology or the study of God. Because so many people bring so many different perspectives to the table when it comes to studying theology. And so what you and I are interested in is to explore all of those avenues. So what you're saying is Christians don't always believe the same things. I think I'm saying that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that I'm saying that. It's I, true. I don't know, but you just said a lot of words, so I'm just trying to condense it a little yeah, bit. Yes, so let's condense it. <laughs> Christians believe in different things, yeah. and um, we're, like our first episode, Dogmatics, we're mm-hmm. trying to address the secondary things and chat about those, discuss them, mm-hmm. and not really have a say on them, but just to talk about them. Yeah, and nothing is off the table here. We will talk about it no matter how controversial it may be, even the Bible itself. What? Rob, what is the Bible? What is the Bible, Zach? I don't know. Is the Bible uh, a book of basic instructions before leaving the earth? Oh, B-I-B-L-E, I get it. Oh, acronym. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Or is uh, the Bible a rule book? Yes, maybe. Could be for some. It could be. Some may think it is. Yeah. I personally think that the Bible is a way to encounter God. Hmm. That seems a little bit veiled. And while I don't disagree, what, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Yeah. So what what is it about the Bible that is a way to encounter God that is different from, say, looking at a sunset? Because I think the Bible is God's inspired word, and it uses um, God uses it as a means or a method to speak to people. Okay. Um, I look at the Bible as a narrative. Hmm. It's a a story that God is writing throughout human history, the story of God's redemption of bringing Himself back with His people. Hmm. And so I think. Kind of going off of that, it's important to clarify, the Bible is not one book, is it? It's more of a compilation, a uh, a library, if you will, a series of 66 different books written at different periods of time, all of which to specific audiences. That's interesting, Zach, because I see a cover and a bunch of pages and then a cover, so it looks like one book to me. It. It does, and that's misleading. However, it's a it's think of it like an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> so while you can open an encyclopedia and it is a codex, as in it has a binding and two covers and a bunch of pages in between it, not everything in that encyclopedia is one cohesive volume. It could be several volumes. I gotcha. This has been just an acquired uh, experience that I've had with the Bible itself. I think God is a God of storytelling. Um, you look at your own life uh, from birth to where you are now. It's, a, it's been a story. Your life is compiled of many stories. 
Um, your parents can share tons of stories mm. about you, and your friends can share a bunch of stories about you, and people in your church can share stories about you, and it goes on. Your story is not yet finished. It is not yet complete. Mm. It is still being written. And so to me, I think what mm. he's doing through the Bible is he's telling us his story of redemption. Mm. And in the beginning, we see God creating. He puts all things together. Uh, we see man sinning against God. We see God's penalty for sin, which is death, for, mm. for being disobedient to what he asked us of. Uh, we see God's faithful love towards his people all throughout the Old Testament, even when his people are unfaithful to him. We see him constantly drawing himself back to the, his people. We see God's ultimate restoring to humanity by, by restoring humanity back to himself in Christ Jesus in the New Testament. So these are, these are ways of God constantly telling his story to us mm. so that we may know who he is. And we see that the only way to restore our relationship with him is through Jesus Christ, his son. Yes, and uh, so what's, I think, beautiful that you just pointed out is there is sort of a narrative arc throughout all of Scripture, which we've just clarified is not one book, but 66 different books. With one cover. With one cover. (laughs) Misleadingly so, with one cover. But in each of these individual books, there are other narratives. There are other stories. Like the book of Ruth tells its own story. However, that story fits within a greater story, what some scholars might call a meta-narrative. What's a meta-narrative, Zach? Well, meta is a uh, really fun word to use if you want to channel your inner hipster. It's uh, sort of a greater than. So if you were to look at something specific, like the story of Ruth, and say this is her story, but that also fits within the greater story of the entire scripture canon, which is redemption, as you just absolutely. But the book of Ruth does that is that in the Bible? Because we d- usually don't read the Old Testament. Oh yeah, so that's the thing. There's a newer edition of the Bible called the New <laughs> Testament, <laughs> and as we know, new is always better, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so the the New Testament actually was never intended to replace the Old Testament. In fact, a lot of scholars will argue that the Old Testament is actually an unhelpful phrase to describe what is actually the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, What it is actually more so is the First Testament or the original Testament or just the Hebrew Bible. But to say that it's old and to say that the other one is new sort of implies a superiority of the New Testament over the Old. Sure, that's very helpful. Um, I think we need to approach the text uh, as itself, um, as holistic and all part of the narrative. Yeah, God's work in the Old Testament is as significant as in the New, and we are just so thankful that we have had Jesus Christ revealed to us in the New Testament. Yeah, and Jesus is also present in the Old Testament because as Christians, we believe that Jesus is God, part of the triune God, and if God is there in the Old Testament, then Jesus is there with him. It says in the book of Colossians that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so that is a very powerful statement demonstrating that Jesus was present in the beginning. It is very powerful because you know that God was ready to redeem humanity yeah. in his son. And some would say in the Old Testament, Jesus shows up pre-incarnation. Yep. Uh, oftentimes. Like literally physically shows up some people. Yeah, oftentimes referred to as the pre-incarnate Christ mm-hmm. uh, before he took upon flesh, uh, as we see in the New Testament. But yeah, the Bible is an amazing thing. It's a, it's a great way to have a relationship with the Lord. But Rob, why are there so many versions of the Bible? Like what? Oh, well, you've got your message translation. You've got the New Living Translation. You've got the New International Version, the English Standard Version, the North American Standard Bible, the Christian Standard Bible, the New Revised Standard Version, the New King James Version, the regular King James Version. I think there's also a Hawaiian Pigeon Version. Well, these are all acronyms for what they mean. Like NIV is nearly inspired version. <laughs> that means when we're reading the NIV, it's nearly inspired, but not full. No, I'm kidding. But I just think that, first of all, it's just kind of a way to allow people to understand the Bible better. Like the originals are Greek and Hebrew. Uh, Wait, I thought the original was King James. <laughs> some may say. <laughs> um the original was Hebrew, Old Testament, New Testament, Greek, there's Aramaic, and mm-hmm. these translations are, what they're trying to do is best articulate in the English version, in the English language, uh, the best way that we can interpret the originals, but not only that, but so that other people may understand what the Bible is saying in a clearer way, and using different phrases or sentences to uh, articulate mm. that. So... All, what all of these versions are trying to do is ensure that people who don't know biblical Hebrew and ancient Greek can read and understand the Bible. Yeah, I would say so. I'd say that that's my understanding of it. Yeah. Could be wrong, but I'm never wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> and actually, all of the translations that we've just mentioned, they're all not, well, with the exception of the message, which was written by one person, all of these are written by entire committees of people, and written is probably not even the right word, but but translated, compiled, by, yeah, compiled um, using different sources. Even the 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 New Testament is actually assembled by using all of the best sources that we have at our disposal, um, and like then the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which uh, also known as the Qumran, um, that came up in the 1950s. We found them in a desert cave somewhere far deep into the Middle East in a forgotten world, basically. And um, and they've helped out with the interpretation. Yeah. And so uh, that's actually why, the, I believe that's why the new King James Version came to be, because the original King James in 1611, we didn't have the Dead Sea Scrolls. It, so it's, it's not just a retelling and taking out of the these and the thous in the old language. It's actually a updated version based on the more better information that we've received since. Well, then. yeah, like you mentioned, we did not have the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, back then, and so mm-hmm. as we've discovered them, it was in the late 40s and mid-50s yep. um, when these texts were discovered, and they were trying to be translated more faithfully, if you will. Yeah, and so that's, that's basically what the entire uh, field of Bible translation is trying to do. 
I don't think that any of these translations that we've listed are at any point looking to stop and release a final translation. ESV considered it last year, but we forgave them for it. Um, and they are all basically committed to the continual practice of as the English language develops, developing uh, the translations of scripture to match that language. I'm really excited to try out the JIV in the New Heavens and New Earth, the Jesus-inspired version, where oh. everything... No. All right. <laughs> the Jesus-inspired... Is that going to be an autobiography? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think because of these translations, we are able to see the significance that the original biblical languages have on our current translations. And so the original languages, again, are Hebrew, Greek, and there's a chapter or two in Aramaic, right? They say. Here or there. So they say. So they say. <laughs> what do we know? We don't, we don't know Aramaic. <laughs> I don't yet, of course. I, I honestly, I don't think I could identify Aramaic if I was looking at it. <laughs> it's just a bunch of squiggly lines. <laughs> but isn't every language? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a communication scholar who once said something to the effect of, like, it's just a fascinating anomaly that we can look at a bunch of squiggles on paper and interpret all of this meaning from it that somebody else left there for us. And be able to have conversations with people, nonetheless. Totally. Like, just think of the idea of texting. Like, you're sending a digital signal with, like, digital interpretations of squiggly words to me, and then I'm like, my brain computes it, and I respond to you. Right. That's insane. But that's right. not the Bible. So That's not the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Zach, let me ask you, how does our view of the Bible inform our theology? How does our study of God, how is that interpreted through our view of the Bible? I think that it informs our theology in a lot of ways, because in really, practically speaking, what you believe about the Bible will directly inform what you believe about God. Sure. Because, I mean, first of all, if you take the Bible to be accurate in what it says about God, then... And you believe that it is an authority on those things and you will accept it and you will believe those things. Or you can say that like those documents are pretty old. They kind of seem like they were thrown together in a sort of haphazard kind of way. And I don't know if I can trust it. So then you'll use other things to inform your view of God rather than the Bible. And then who knows, but that could lead in a million different directions. Other things as in? You could uh, use other religious texts to inform your theology. Some people kind of have uh, used the uh, Buddhist Bhagavad Gita to inform their view of Scripture. Some people have uh, written entire other uh, prophetic works, such as uh, the Book of Mormon, um, to inform their view of Scripture. And some people just say, like, well, I mean, that Old Testament God's just kind of mean and a bully, and I don't really believe in him, so I believe in a God of love. And I'm just going to like look at any instance of love and say that that's God. Yeah. So these are ways to inform our theology. Um, definitely people have their own perspectives and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think for me, our view of the Bible, the way it informs our theology is the way that we interpret Scripture 
a lot uh, there are different ways uh, the interpretation of scripture is called hermeneutics mm. that's a topic that we have coming up soon oh i can't wait can't wait so i'm not going to go into that too deeply but i do agree i do think the way that we read the text the way that we interpret the text whether it's through genre or literal translation whatever the case may be this forms and shapes the way that we think about god the way mm. that we talk to God, the way that we communicate with him, the way that we understand him in our lives. Mm, definitely. So that's that's the different ways that we can understand God through the Bible. But I'm interested to know, what does the Bible say about the Bible? Does it talk about itself? Yeah, I mean, so what we do know is in um, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, uh it refers to scripture as something that is God-breathed, mm. and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, the purpose of it follows with the, the verse 17. says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible is saying that it's inspired, that all scripture is breathed by God. Mm-hmm. And then we have in 2 Peter one twenty one. Uh, It says, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. Hmm. So it it appears that the Holy Spirit has always been present in scriptural Hmm. compilation. Yeah, either through this this God-breathing or through, I don't know, divine dictation, uh, somehow the Holy Spirit moving in the people who were writing it. Right. Thus, we can confidently read the Bible knowing that God is speaking to us through it, through Mm. his narrative of redemption. And then it's authoritative. It is our authority. It has been the revelation that God has given to us so that we may know his grand narrative of redemption. Mm -hmm. But so what what do these words like inspiration and authority what do these what do these words even really mean uh i mean it seems to me when when i've often heard these words they kind of seem more like a power play than anything else like well you know god said it i believe it that settles it right and while that's a good posture to have i feel like on some level categories like this can can be unhelpful yeah one uh category that comes to mind is inerrancy Um, people have said that the Bible is without error. Every Mm -hmm. single word in there is exactly the word that God wanted to be in there. Mm -hmm. Others in the canonization process, Mm -hmm. when people came together to put together this Bible that we read today, Mm -hmm. some say that there has been error in that production. Mm -hmm. And so it's inspired, but it has error. Zach, would you like to elaborate more about the two perspectives? Yeah, so uh, inerrancy is is one camp infallibility is another camp but from people outside of both of them they tend to kind of look the same so what one says is that the bible is holy and completely without error sure with an asterisk qualification we're talking about the original translations Mm -hmm. the second view that says that the bible is infallible is to say that the bible is trustworthy enough that it will not in itself lead people astray sure i find both of those categories to be uh, at least at face value somewhat unhelpful because first of all if the bible is inerrant in its original languages 
Um, we don't really have a complete Bible in the original languages. We have translations in our own language. As we've already clarified, we don't speak Greek or Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And then infallible, while I, I agree that the Bible should not lead anyone astray, I think the history shows that people have used the Bible to lead people astray. Including Satan himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when he came to tempt Jesus, yeah. Jesus uh, Satan oh. was using the 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 scriptures Definitely. the old testament to pretty much confuse Jesus. And so while so while I would probably agree that there's no reason to raise the alarm. I don't believe that the Bible is an errant document. Um I find that inerrancy and infallibility kind of fall short of scratching the surface of what we're actually trying to say about what the Bible is. So what are we trying to say about what the Bible is? Well, just just what Paul says in uh, Timothy, that the Bible is God-breathed. And what's interesting about that language, God-breathed, he actually uses the same word that uh, is used in the book of Acts. It speaks of Paul traveling uh, by ship, and the word that is used to describe how the wind comes up and blows the ship uh, off of its course and causes it to be shipwrecked. That is the same word used where uh, Paul uses it to say that the Bible is God-breathed. So we can think of the Bible as the ship, and in the same way that the ship was blown off course by the wind of God, that is what God-breathed means. That is the inspiration of the Bible. And that's all that we're trying to say when we say things like the Bible is without error, the Bible is infallible, the Bible is inspired. What we're trying to say is that God is in this text in a real and living way. But we can kind of tend to overshoot and try and use our human categories to describe what the Bible is. And then, in my opinion, we end up boxing it in. Yeah. So if you hold a view of... uh Believing that scripture is without error, you're basically believing that every single word from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22 is indeed the very word of God that he wanted there to to be in the scriptures, but it is without error. There's not a single error in the text. And those who uh, are contrary to inerrancy are saying that scripture may have errors, but ultimately it's the inspired and authoritative word of God. Therefore, God's word through the scriptures is going to come about. Yes. And we are going to experience him regardless mm-hmm. because he inspires it. Yes. Those are kind of the two positions on it. So speaking of word of God, uh, we want to make uh, sure we clarify word of God and what it means in John mm-hmm. 1, 1, right? Yes. Uh, how does John begin that gospel? Uh, John begins that gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the word that John is talking about in the gospel, what does he what does that mean? The Bible, right? <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> no, so actually what what uh contrary to the colloquialism of God's word, which we use today to often refer to as the Bible when we say the word of the Lord, often we're talking about the Bible. What John is talking about here is Jesus. He's talking about a person. He goes on in verse two to say, He was with God in the beginning, through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So clearly, if he's using pronouns like he, he can't be talking about 
the Bible. The Bible is male. <laughs> it's a boy Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Only the ESV. <laughs> um, but the the word the word in Greek is logos, mm-hmm. which is is a noun, um, and it's really talking about this person, mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, God, uh, John, the author of the book of John, is telling us that Jesus has come, and he was in the beginning, mm. and he was with God, and that he was God. The Word is God. And what's interesting, too, is if you, you know, like we you, you mentioned how we use Word of God to refer to the Bible and whatnot, I think there's a really unique paradigm within mm. it. And what I'm saying is, is that we talk about uh, logos or logos, the logic of God, the thought of God, and we see that, you know, the Word of God, the Bible, right? This Word of God that we talk about, mm-hmm. it's inspired by God. Yes. Thus, in some sense, it is the thought of God mm. is what God is trying to articulate to us. Mm. I think there's a paradigm in there yeah. with Word being Jesus and Word, the logic, the thought of God being transparent throughout mm. the biblical text that we approach today. Yeah, and isn't that ultimately where the Bible gets its authority in the person of Jesus? Absolutely. So I think it's just a unique paradigm that we can rest in and mm. kind of embrace this mystery, this beautiful mystery that God's word is Jesus and yeah. these are his thoughts that are put in the Bible, the words that we read in the Bible. These are ways of thinking like God, you know what I'm saying? Mm, totally. So, I mean, what what is what is the harm in uh, interpreting something like John one as in the beginning was the word, the word was with God? What's the harm in interpreting that as Bible? Well, you're saying that the Bible existed in creation, which it clearly didn't. Mm. The Bible was written in between you know AD 30 and AD 90 some manuscripts are mm-hmm. 115 AD mm-hmm. and so and some go back to BC and some go back Testament. to BC but it does not appear that this bible we didn't have the printing press yet no <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't around there in yeah. genesis and so yeah um we just have to be mindful of that yeah and ultimately what we're saying if we take that verse to be talking about the Bible is that the Bible is God. And that's what some would call bibliolatry. Yeah, bibliolatry, ironically enough, is the idolatry of the Bible. And the the joke is Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Yeah. I pray in the name of the Father, <laughs> yeah, Son, that, and the, the Holy Bible. Tr- the Bi- other trinity. <laughs> the other trinity. The, yeah. that, but the, it is true. We have to be careful with mm-hmm. the actual book as a physical thing that mm-hmm. we touch, that we read. Yes. Um, that codex. we smell, especially in the ESV, mm-hmm. the calf skin that we smell, <laughs> the experience, <laughs> the aroma of the text. No, but we, we have to be careful to not identify uh, idolize the Bible as the authority. The mm. authority is Jesus Christ. Yes. The authority is Trinitarian authority. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Yeah, it is It is the God that we encounter within the Bible that is the authority and the inspirer, and the text, as you said earlier, is how we come to know that God. Right, because the Bible is not God. The mm. Bible reveals who God is, but the Bible itself 
the physical book is not God. Mm. But a lot of times I've heard it said, I've seen it, that people place the Bible at this uh, on this pedestal of this is God. We do mm. what the Bible says. You know, we've got to be mm. careful there. Yeah. And I got to make sure that we are mindful of bibliolatry. Yes. And on the other hand, uh, I think the most important thing about all of this talk about what the Bible is and what do we do with it is, first of all, we should read it because this is mm. a document that has survived something like 3,500 years of floods and famines and persecutions and book mm. burnings and uh, governments and principalities that have been trying to shut it out. And we have it readily available on all of our smartphones for free. Um, and we take it for granted. We have this tendency to take it for granted that this is just this It's boring app. and it's long and we it takes too long to read. But if you open the Bible, you will find God in its pages. Yeah. And, you know, people oftentimes, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in God, but they're reading all these books, right? Mm. And they don't, a lot of those people don't even really give a Bible a chance. Yeah. And, you know, little do they know that if they read it, they will experience majesty, mm. glory, some incredible stuff yeah totally well this has been the soma podcast thank you all so much for listening uh you know what is the bible now you know you have the answer to that kind of <laughs> we, we did our best to tell you we did our best but you can go figure yeah. out some more stuff yeah. and if you uh have anything to say to us about oh you missed this thing you should have talked about this where can they get a hold of us rob they can get a hold of us through variety of social media mm-hmm. uh, Facebook at Soma Podcast Twitter at Soma Podcast you can just send us a direct message you can follow us and send us an indirect message yeah <laughs> whatever however you want to <laughs> do if you're a subversive person <laughs> you can send us something coded sure we sure. can't guarantee we'll be able to read it and or you can email us at podcastsoma at gmail.com this is a great way for us to uh, bring topics about this is a great way for us to discuss things that mm. you're passionate about we've had a lot of interaction with you throughout this past couple of weeks and uh, past couple of weeks yeah and we're just really excited for what you have to say we also are excited about many future guests that are joining our show yes and as always everything that we do here at soma is in participation with the stained glass collective for those of you who don't know that's actually a uh, blog that rob and i both write for so go over to stainedglasscollective.com uh scroll through the, the blogs read what we've written if you want to engage with us more if you like if you like what we have to say if you don't like what you have what we have to say you can also go there and share it with all of your friends and talk about how you disagree with everything that we say and how they shouldn't read it yeah that's fine <laughs> share it and say don't read this that would be very helpful for your cause and not ours but go to stainedglasscollective.com uh check out all the things there there are also other podcasts and uh interesting things for you to look at and listen to and as always my name is rob and i'm zach and this is the soma podcast have a nice day